Hello, everyone. Just me at the top of the show to say a few things about some shows I have coming up in the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. So, Humankind is my kids' show, family show. It's on weekends during the festival, every weekend in April uh, at the Q Courthouse. So, it's at in Q. It's a great venue, really, really kid-friendly. Heaps to do around there as well. So, that is at 11.30, weekends in the Comedy Festival, all of April. So, that is joshearl.com.au for the tickets. Then I have... Four Don't You Know Who I Am's, Saturdays, 3 o'clock at Morris House, which is what European Beer Cafe is now going to be called. So they're going to have a brand new uh, room downstairs. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait to do Don't You Know Who I Am. Always get the best guests from the festival doing the shows. The shows are always so much fun. So tickets are at joshell.com.au as well. Season pass, only 50 bucks. So that's so cheap. Cheaper than I've ever done it. And then I'm doing two shows as part of the festival club in the comedy festival so tuesday nights at max watts are april 4 and april 17 so one of them is don't you know who i am with a whole bunch of international guests so that's april 17 and the other one is 100 hits volume pod the best of the best of 97 so this is going to be so much fun so i'd love it if you go i know it's, it's, it's late on a school night it's 11 30 but it's festival time it's going to be fun it's going to be uh, a big big show so if you're listening to this and you're in Melbourne, make sure you come along. Tickets for that one aren't on sale just yet. They will be very soon, though, at the Comedy Festival. So comedyfestival.com.au for the tickets. Big thanks to everyone who's been Patreon subscribers. You guys are the absolute best. Hopefully you enjoyed the episode I just released with Adam Richard talking all things Hit Machine. Uh, hit Machine, guys, can I just say, it's a, it's a wild compilation, that one. There's some... Some real swings and misses on that on that compilation. Anyway, enough from me. Enjoy this episode with Reese Nicholson. I'll be back very short. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And welcome to 100 Hits Volume Pod, the podcast that looks at the greatest compilation this country's ever produced. And we go through them one by one. My name is Josh Earl, and joining me this week, please welcome, for the first time on the podcast, it's Reese Nicholson. Yay! 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 What Hello, a thrill. Reece. Thanks for doing this. Thank, no, thanks for having me. Um, you know, uh, music, 100% hits. So I think my demo, of like my version of this was like so fresh. Yep. And I think similar, but like different vibes, I reckon. Yes, they they are different vibes. On on Pod Machine, we're going through those different vibes because yeah. that's what Hit Machine turned into. So fresh, Humbers and Hits kept on its own trail, uh, and it it is interesting. There is definitely a method to how they compile the two. I've, I've yeah. noticed. Yeah, I feel I, like the like the so freshy kind of ones were more like like. Horny teens, yes, 
I'm sorry if you've talked about this a lot on the podcast already. No, but like, no. It's like more kind of horny teens and like, um, you know, you'd have like Aqua and stuff on there. Yeah. And, you know, um, kind of bubblegum pop kind of explaining to us what our feelings were. Whereas I feel like these ones are a little more grown up. I, yeah, I think these ones, they're trying to compile them in a way that flows. Whereas Hit Machine, it's like they've got all the songs in a bag and they just pull them out randomly. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what's happened there. <laughs> So we'll, we'll be interested to see if, if So Fresh does the same thing. But it, it is very interesting how it goes. So this, uh, we're up to volume 19, side B. Mm-hmm. So oh. this came out in 96. So the start of 96. How old How old's Reese Nicholson in 96? I would have been six years old. Great. Um, right. And so probably like my sister is seven years older than me and she yep. was like a kind of music person. Yep. And so I'd imagine this, there were some of these like um, I kind of, looking at the list of these songs, I was like, I kind of think I rec- Like, the cores were yes. in our house, definitely. There was definitely yep. some core vibes. Oh, the cores, I, I discovered, were in every single house in Australia. But we'll get Isn't to them that- later. Yeah, yeah, we'll get... Yeah, sorry, I didn't <laughs> mean to give anything away. But it is like, there's, it's, it's interesting with these things to see trends of... I love finding... I think Australia does it particularly, where we get obsessed with... Like, there was a Celtic moment in oh, Australia. Yes. And yep. at the same time that tap dance... Like, remember... Lord like, of the between Dance. Bootman, Bootman, Lord of the Dance, Tap Dogs, there was this moment where, like, yep. just these kind of quaint moments, like, close-up magic could have come back at any moment. It's wild what comes in, and it's like, that. you're right. Like, Irish dancing, Morris dancing, whatever you want to call it, was a bit, big thing in Australia. And I don't know, I, I know we have a big Irish history here, so a lot of the, the convicts who came over were pretty much Irish. Yeah. And so it is that thing of like, but that's like a long time ago. So for it to reappear again in like 94, 95, 96 is a wild thing to do. I bet there's a lot of guys around your age that have like, mis- in the same way that people have um, maybe like Chinese symbols that they shouldn't have, <laughs> but they don't know what it means. I reckon there's yeah. a lot of like Celtic... You know when yep. we were kids in school and you learned how to draw that S that yeah. all linked up and the then you could turn S. that into a yep. chain? Yeah. There's a lot of guys with like them on their arms with kind of Celtic curls all over yeah. them. Well, I, I read that barbed wire is coming back in. The barbed wire tattoos are, oh. are, are cool again. I think it comes down to we've just given up on... T- like I have, I have six tattoos and yeah. none of them mean anything. Like also because to be honest, I don't have, I don't have kids. I don't have... I mean, yeah. I have a partner and stuff, but I think we're both neither we're going to put out each other's names on. But like, um, I don't have anything in my life that I'm willing to, to commit. Like, you're committed to your kids. Yeah. Like, you can put a tattoo of that on there. I don't have anything like that in my life. So I like when people get their kids' drawings tattooed on them. I think that looks cool. Yeah. But I do find the names. Why? Well, and like, like and usually it's like. Uh, you, if ever you see a name on a tattoo, you don't want to like. You, yeah. you worry that there might be also a date next to it. Yeah, and maybe something bad happened. I don't have any tattoos. I was gonna get a tattoo, and then uh, COVID happened, and my booking. Uh, I did. I never Fell rebooked through. it. What were you gonna get? Oh, uh, the modern lovers symbol on my arm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's great. Yeah, and then and then I was also contemplated. This was years ago. I never went through with it, which is just as well. An open book. This is when I was working as a library. And I was going to get an open book tattooed on me, thinking it would be yeah, like yeah. a metaphor. And I thought, oh, no, that's that's not good. You should just get the names of all of the many podcasts you'll have over your yeah. career attached to you. Yeah. <laughs> My that, it'll, be like, it'll be like Memento. 
<laughs> but, but one of them will just say, don't you know who I am? <laughs> don't trust his lies. Um, all right, let's move on to the actual songs. So yeah. I think, now, your partner Kyron came on, and I have to apologize to him in person. Uh, they were the worst batch of songs ever on I, the podcast. I was upstairs wondering what was going on. Yeah. I think these are better. I think these are better songs. But I'd heard of some of them. I'll let you be the judge. So we're going to kick yeah. off side B with what the band call Clit Rock. This is Skunk and Nancy and their Oof. song, I Can Dream. Ooh. Bass. Remember it's this just type of bass? A lot of bass, yeah. It has that um, a, a Channel 10 drama wants you to know it's set in the 90s. Okay. <laughs> there we have Skunk and Nancy. Skunk and Nancy. It is such um I've I've started this is probably not useful to the conversation, but I've I've started uh rewatching or just watching the show Cold Case for some reason. It's become my in the background show. Yep. And every episode starts with like the they flash back to like when the when the crime happened and they'll yep. always pick a song. Um, to like give you set the mood of like what year that came out, blah, blah, blah. and that yeah. to me is so. Oh. It, it it felt like we were about to watch like at some punk show in like I don't know yeah. Fitzroy or something like someone get hit, hit with a hammer. There was a TV show you might be too young for this. A TV show called Good Guys Bad Guys. Yeah, right. And this probably wasn't played on it, but bands like the Super Jesus, who obviously had this on rotation in the car when they were driving would have been played on it. And this is that's yeah. the vibe. I do find the first couple of lines of this song, when Skin, the singer, starts singing, does sound like they're recording and their parents are upstairs and she's trying to shout but not actually shout. <laughs> so, I see that. Like, it's, it's that yeah, kind of, yeah. that's kind of vibe. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. It's um, like um, when your mum's like, telling you off in public and in the shops, and you're like, she's oh, on okay. the phone. Yeah, <laughs> listen, <laughs> um, get outside. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's so. So who who are they? Who are they? Let's go into it. So it's four members. There's Skin, Cass, Ace, and the only member who wanted their full name in the band, Mark Richardson. <laughs> <laughs> And it, it's the most full name. Like yes. that's such a, that it's like that's that's such a dad's name. Yeah. Uh, so Skunk and Nancy. It's taken from the old Ghana folk tales. Uh, a Nancy who is this uh, a boy kind of like got into mischief and stuff. And there's a whole bunch of folk tales around a Nancy. And oh, I, I always thought like a Nancy was like an effeminate man. Oh. Yeah. Right. Well, and, I mean. Anyway. Well, they wanted to add skunk to make it sound nastier. And I would add, it makes it sound stupider. Yeah. Skunk and Nancy. So, but this and, is... Oh, no, go. I was going to say, their first single, this is their third single. Their first single was called Little Baby Swastika. 
and their second single was called Selling Jesus. And both were very controversial, but... Why? Yeah. <laughs> but Shock Jock, Howard Stern, loved them and played them and said, these, these guys are going to be the biggest band in the world. Where are they from? They're from England. England, yeah, yes. of course they are. Uh, they went to America to do shows, didn't do well, had to cancel some because of anti-fascist demonstrations. And they were like, what's going on? And the organizers were, were like, one of the venues were like, well, you have a song called Little Baby Swastika. And they're like, yeah, that's, but that's anti, it's like anti-fascism. And they're like, yeah, but your band's called Skunk a Nazi. And like, no, it's a Nancy. And they just build them wrong. <laughs> oh, no. How, like, they're so... I feel like America automatically just is looking to misunderstand things yeah. like that, like so quickly. Like as soon as there's so many stories of like UK acts going over there, or even like um, like my uncle was in a band called Machine Gun Fellatio, and they had some. They had to go by MGF when they yeah. were in America. Like they just people were. I mean, also to be fair, Fellatio is not. <laughs> but I, but I think it's also proof of how um the. The kind of 80s, 90s, and kind of early 2000s, which is a long time, I guess. Uh, people, re- musicians particularly, loved being controversial. Like, the idea yes. of, like, any kind of controversy at all, which I feel like we're kind of done with that now as much. Like, the way that people went dressed to awards shows and that people want to look good again. There yep. was this period of, like, post-punk... Uh, and then everything got shiny again. And then like, nah, fuck you. Fuck. Yeah. Like, especially, I, I think especially in Australia. And it just made for some very, I mean, recovery as a concept, the show is yes. kind of that. Like, well, yeah. it's going to be loose and we don't know what's going to happen. Well, for this race, I've been watching a fair bit of recovery because some of the bands get played on recovery. So I watch them and I'm like, I cannot believe I love that show so much. I loved it so much. And I looked yeah. at the clips and like going, this is amateur hour, which is what yeah. I loved about it. Yeah, but it's just like, like one, it's getting like musicians to be on TV at nine in the morning when no one is. They've either slept like not slept at all or slept like two hours, and they're like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, Dylan as an interviewer, very charismatic guy, but as an interviewer, was just like, all right, cool. So what's been happening? How's how's this? What do you think? Oh, and it's I, it's so laid back. It, it's too laid back. It's like a it's the advent of like the VJ. Because yeah. I think M- MTV started doing it, and I did my work experience at Channel V and Music Max, strangely. Um, and it was that it was the era of Yumi Steins and yeah. um, that kind of Danny Clayton and that type of. And it was they all worked really hard and stuff. But the idea I remember thinking, even as like a sixteen year old, thinking they are trying to make this look shitter than it actually is. Like yeah. that kind of cameras kind of pointed in the wrong place and like. Yeah. There's no auto cue. There's kind of, and I feel like recovery. It almost went like MTV into recovery into Channel V of just like we don't know what's going on. All all we know is every single one of our haircuts is bad. Yeah. Um, back to Skunk and Nancy. So oh, yeah, they sorry. they were together for seven years. They released six albums in that time, which is that's a, that's a lot of albums in seven yeah. years. Uh, they broke up due to alcohol and drug problems, which is you know par for the course. Skunk and uh, Nancy drug yeah. problems. <laughs> Uh, they were the first, uh, Skin was the first black woman to headline Glastonbury in 1999. And then years later, in 2011, Beyonce headlined and Beyonce said, I'm the first black woman to headline Glastonbury. And they're like, nah, nah, nah you're not. 
And then having, uh, having heard, having someone pull aside, be I wonder if anyone told her. I wonder if yeah. she knows. Just in the limo, someone had to be like, "Now listen, I got some yeah. bad news. There's going to be busy some press. A woman called Skunk and Nancy." <laughs> Uh, so they reformed in 2009 and played a secret show under the name SCAM, which is an acronym of all their names put together. So Skin, Cass, uh, who else was there? Mark Richardson and Ace, which I would say a hundred times better name than Skunk yeah. and Nancy. Call yourself SCAM. Yeah, and no one's, you know, no one's going to be thinking you're a Nazi when you call no. it SCAM. <laughs> no. All right, moving on. Let's go to Australia. Let's go to a band I did watch perform on Recovery. This is the group Renegade Funk Train and their song, Renegade Funk Train. Oh, I love it. My name is Heath and I'm here today. I'm going to do a rap in a different kind of way. Oh, you can hear the Kango hats through the music. You just yeah. know it's there. I love this era of lowest energy possible. Yeah. When musicians would be like looking around as if they're, they're like, oh, that's right, I got it to <laughs> We'll get to the chorus. Yeah. Is that like a whistle? Like a like a train whistle? Like a train? Yeah, they're the funk train. Anyway, that's enough of that. So, this is, of course. Eight members. It's a funk band. You can't have any less than eight members. Two of them in this band were in a, a band previous to this called Sound Unlimited. And Sound Unlimited, in in the forums, have been pi- like pioneers of Aussie hip-hop. Yeah, right. They were the first to take the American hip-hop and go, let's talk about summer days and hang with your boys instead. Yeah. Uh, but the, uh, Sound Unlimited, they uh, supported acts like De La Soul, Public Enemy... And one act a bit left of centre for those two, New Kids on the Block. They were the New Kids on the Block support band when they came out to Australia. And on this tour, uh, Tina Martinez, who is in Renegade Funk Train and was in Sound Unlimited, she hooked up with the drummer, Derek Antunes of New Kids. He wasn't a new kid, but he was in the touring band. And they got married and then they formed Renegade Funk Train. Wow. Yeah. So we have new kids on the block to thank for Renegade Funk Train. I don't know if thank is the right Thanks. Word. Thanks, guys. <laughs> we really appreciate it. Couldn't have done it without you. Uh, is so it this... spe- from memory, is it spelt, is it, it's spelt in a funny way, right? Or is it, no, no, is it all, no, no. Funk Train is one word, though. Yeah, maybe that's yeah. what I was thinking of. Yeah. yeah. Funk yeah. Train. Funk and train. Renegade, just slapping words together. Yeah. Like, Renegade Funk Train. What do you mean? <laughs> well, there's funk trains, right, Reese? Yeah. But this yeah. one, this one's a, a loose, a loose cannon, loose, a loose caboose, a loose if cannon. you will. Yeah. More of a jazz train. <laughs> yeah. So you know, in Thomas the Tank Engine, this yeah. one's the Percy. This one is just doing his own fucking thing. <laughs> just absolutely uh, blazed. 
It got to 48 on, on the ARIA charts, their highest mm-hmm. ever placing. Was nominated for an ARIA for Best Dance Release, but lost to a group called Future Sound of Melbourne and their song Chapter One, which I've never heard of. No. Yeah. But, you know, I, I'm i not a fan of funk, so I can't really say whether or not in, in the canon of all the funk songs this holds up or it's any good, but, you know, it's fine. It's very I, Australian. Yeah, it's it, like it doesn't offend me. Like it doesn't, I'm not mad at it, but it is just, I think it's that, yeah, time and the naming of bands and songs in that time of, of this type of music where there just seems to be about 10 words available to them. Funk, groove, yeah, uh, dance, like, and then they'll just slap a word like, like you know, groove armada is a kind of similar naming of a thing. Yeah, Like just, ah, uh, what are we? I don't know. We're like an armada of groove. You can put bass in it as well. Bass is another one they love to talk about. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so just, it needs to be a style of music and then a way to transport that music. Yeah. And so you've got a train, you've got a car, you've got an armada. Um, an armada is the biggest one possible. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, uh, I do remember this music being around a lot when I was a kid. Like, just yeah. TV kind of full of it, video hits full of it, of just unplaceable bands. I mean, yeah. no offence to no, no offense to this <laughs> band, but like... As a kid, you just don't, you're not taking any in who they are, but just, I don't oh, know. There's a place for them. And that is the first band on, on the, every day of the big day out. That's, yes. that's where they go. It's like, all right, people are coming in the gates. What are we going to watch? We're going to watch an eight piece funk band. All right, cool. And maybe like with, I remember, th- I remember looking, the first time I ever went to Splendor in the Grass, looking at a, um, and first time is a strong, the one time I ever went to Splendor in the Grass, not big on mud. <laughs> Uh, realizing, oh, how important bookings are of who are you going to see when you're hungover? Like, who are you going to see when you're coming down? I'd never thought about, like, that type of booking before. And, yeah, it's very important. And these bands are a huge part of that process. If there are any bookers of those festivals listening to this show, can I just say comedy does well first thing on the second morning. Yes. Everyone's getting out of their tents. There's nothing to do. All right, we'll sit and we'll actually listen to the comedy. And we're also, we're in a similar space to you. (laughs) Yes. Don't put the comedy on at night up against big bands because the only people in the comedy tent are people who cannot like take any more of the lights anymore because they've taken all their drugs on day one and they just need a place to to sit down and have a bit of a nai-nai. Yeah, and look, I'm happy to be that nai-nai. Yeah. All right, moving on. Let's go. Tracy Chapman. She's been on the pod before. I, I, <laughs> the I quite rage. Yes. Wow. She doesn't do many, many appearances these days. Yeah. But here we have, give me one reason. Seems on brand so far. Yeah. Slow start. Yeah, and it's quite stressful because she has such a well-known voice that it's yeah. like, I know it's coming. She's edging. Give me one reason to stay here And I'll turn right back around Give me one reason to stay here She's one of those voices you want, you automatically want to do an impression right of but you know around. you can't. Yeah. Well, Said I we don't want to leave you lonely Gotta make me change my mind Baby, I got your number Oh, and I know that you got mine 
take it down there. Yeah. You can, you, listeners can go and listen to the whole song if they want. Mm. Uh, thoughts on this one, Reese? What do you think? You know, similar to a lot of Tracy, Tracy songs, um, you know, there's like easy listening. Yep. And then there's like, there's a song that doesn't change at all throughout its entire <laughs> length to a point that it's like, it's a heartbeat. Yeah. Like if you were to look, if you were to just look at a, at the waveform of this song, and it's yeah. great, it's a great song. But I, when the drums come in, that's yep. the first time there's a change, and it stays there for the rest of the song. I would say what's happened is they've, they've written it, and then they're just adding stuff so it doesn't feel like that heartbeat. So she's yeah. just written it on the acoustic guitar, and then the producer like going, "Should we put like some drums in here? How yeah. about you hold off singing?" For the first bit, so we've got 30 seconds of just guitar and then you bring your vo- voice and then we'll bring in the rest of the band and just build a bit of like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Any Excitement, I, I think. Yeah. Um, emotion. Uh, and it, Yeah, it's like, and it's that, uh, it just makes me think of our mums like feeling, like really like feeling it, Tracy this, Chapman. Like, this I is think- the thing. This is the type of, type of song you put on when you're like, oh, I'm not sure what kind of music people like. I'll just put this on because no one will hate this. Yeah, they might not love it, but they're not going to be offended by it. I think Joni Mitchell fills a similar space for like the generation just before, like not not our parents' parents, but like, yep. do you know what I mean? There's like enough of an age gap. Yeah, like you know, this song could have also been played in Love Actually, and she could have been crying to, to yep. this song. Um, yeah, it's like I don't know enough about tra- like I know her as a reference. Yeah, I don't know. I couldn't go through every like I don't know much about her other than that I know that I watched the film clip for this and it's that era of film clip that's just uh, the person performing the song <laughs> there's no concept to it it's just that alright well this song was her biggest US hit to date it got number three on the Billboard charts also her biggest hit in Australia where it also got number three but it did go number one in Canada and Iceland Iceland? yeah they loved it uh, so she did perform it seven years before she released it so she performed it live on Saturday Night Live when she was the musical guest in 1989 and then put out another album, didn't put it on, and then in 95 went, all right, I'll put it on uh, New Beginning. Which what a is, weird thing to do. Yeah. Uh, it then in 96 won the Grammy for Best Rock Song. That, that one for Best Rock Song. Yep, Best Rock Song. Okay. Yep. Uh, so... She made her stage debut as the opening act for uh, Linda Tillery at Boston's Theatre. And in the audience was a guy called Brian Kopelman, who ended up writing Ocean's 13 and Rounders. Have you seen either of those films? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he heard her playing and his dad was, he ran SBK Publishing. And he said, Dad, I've found a new uh, sensation for you, Tracy Chapman. And so he helped her get signed to Electra Records. So there you go. Not all Nepo babies are bad. Some no. Nepo babies want to help out others. I love, like, and but wait, who is she playing for? Who is she the opening uh, a, act for? A woman called Linda Tillery. Am I meant to, is that a famous? Like, no. I love hearing stories well of, like, just someone kind of opening for, yeah. you know, it's like, I once opened for Ostentatious. You know, it's a very similar story, <laughs> yes. I think. Well, Linda Tillery, I think, was very uh, influential in the women's music scene in um, America. And she may have been, uh, I don't think she was involved with Lilith Fair, but she, she set the groundwork for that, that to happen. Yeah, uh, right. But here, So this song uh, came back around uh, in, in 2018 when uh, Tracy Chapman sued Nicki Minaj over copyright infringement. 
uh, alleging that uh, Minaj sampled the song uh, without her permission for her song Baby Can I Hold You. Uh, and Tracy Chapman said that Nicki Minaj or Nicki Minaj's people had requested permission multiple times and each time they said, no, no, I don't, I don't let people uh, sample my songs. And they used it anyway. And so it went to court. At first it got, um, it got thrown out because they said, well, it's an homage. They didn't actually sample you. They did their yeah. own version of it. And then went a retrial. And in 2021, uh, Nicki Minaj paid Tracy Chapman $450,000. I mean, do you think Tracy's still raking it in? Yeah, cash I, I, wise. Yeah, I reckon she is. I reckon Smooth FM is giving her so much money, like. And every, I bet some year. like old style, similar to like how si- old sitcom stars still make bazillions off syndication. Yeah. I reckon their old recording artist like deals yeah. would have been pretty pretty tight. Well, she yeah, she had her hits in '89 when the music industry was still big. Like it was still yeah. people were buying singles, then buying records. Go and seeing her play live. Yeah. I bet she lives in a house that she calls cozy, but is actually bigger than in a house we've ever seen in our lives. Yes. Yes. She, I think she lives in Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah, so that sounds you, about you could get a very big house for not much money in Cleveland. Um, hey, she has links to our next uh, performer or performers as well, because she performed at the Pavarotti and Friends for Cambodia and Tibet concert in the year 2000. And we're now going to listen to... Passengers, which is U2, Brian Eno, and Pavarotti, and their song, Miss Sarajevo. Here we go. Stop it there. We'll play the Pavarotti bit in a minute. Yeah. But so far, this is like you two trying to do a Velvet Underground song. It's look, I'm not yeah. a big fan of you two, but I really like this song. I think this is a really nice song, and it's actually Bono's favorite song of you two's. Wow. It's Even though like, it's not a U two song. Yeah, but it is like, but it is so. It's technically you two. Like, is it all the members, or is it just? It's all the yeah. members of you two and Brian Eno. So they went. Oh, it's a different thing. Let's just call it. Passengers, and then they would get different people to come on in the album. So it's from the album. Um, it's called Original Soundtracks is what this one's from. And so this is the, the story behind this one. So apparently American journalist Bill Carter uh, asked Bono uh, to film a documentary based on Sarajevo's underground resistance movement. And Bono produced the film and he also provided funds for the project. And so this is an album of songs based on non-existent films. So they were like, oh, we'll just pretend we're making this for this yeah. film. But this is one of the four tracks from the album that is a real film. So the real film is called Miss Sarajevo, which is about um, the Miss Sarajevo beauty pageants that was held, even though they were under siege. 
Um, and so Carter traveled to Sarajevo in the winter of 93 to offer humanitarian aid and found himself in the conflict. And so he lived for six months in a burnt out office building. And for six months, he ate whatever he could find in the rivers and sewers and baby food. So he had like tin or yeah, jars of baby food. And that's what Sounds he- Sounds like my first festival. Yeah, lived on for six months. Um, so how Pavarotti got involved is <laughs> you two had done one Heard of these- the baby food. Yeah, had done uh, one of these Pavarotti and Friends things. And Pavarotti kept on saying, I want to do a song with you guys. I want to do a song. Got so bad, he would call the house every day. Bono's on tour. He's not home. <laughs> so the housekeeper's answering the phone and it's Pavarotti on the line going, uh, is Bono there? I want to do a song with him. And he's saying, she's saying, no, no, he's, he's on tour. I've told you this, Mr. Pavarotti. And he's like saying, well, if he doesn't do it, God will be upset. <laughs> I'm worried about Pavarotti. Like that's some like that's some uh, like Glenn Close. What's yeah. It, what's the like? That's so weird. Like such strange behavior to want to. It's you two. The funny one for me. Where yeah, I I'm not a fan of theirs, but they seem to have incredible. Like when you hear like this idea that they've had to do this is yep. really great. And like yep. the way that when you see Bono, and the Edge doesn't seem to talk as much. But um, is he the Edge or just Edge? Edge. Just Edge. edge. Oh no, the um, edge. Sorry, the, I forget who said it, but someone was like, "The immortal question is, at what point in the day does the edge put his beanie on?" Um, I don't know why I find that really funny, but it just is. Well, it's funny you bring that up because they performed this in '95 for the first time at a Pavarotti and Friends concert in Italy, and it's the only time the edge has been on stage without his his headwear on. What was it? Was it, is there like? Do we find out that there's no skin on the top of his head and it's just his brain? Imagine that. It's like a Voldemort. There's like a little, like, Ooh, Harry Potter one. There's a little edge in there. <laughs> uh, but the, they seem to have incredible taste, you two. Like, everything that they yeah. do is pointed the right way. And, like, the, you know, as much as we all hated it when they put, when those, when the iPods came out with the them on it, yeah. Like, it's annoying, but if it was gorillas, we'd be like, this is fucking great. Yeah. Like, it's it's only because they're like a dad reference that we don't like it. Like, they're, um, uh, the band Confidence Man, like, you two love them. And, like, two are, like, they, there's all these, like, pictures of them, like, hanging out and stuff. So, yeah. they've clearly got this, like, I, I just, the problem is they, the things that they make. <laughs> yes. Aren't well, my taste. I find Elton John's a similar thing. Elton John yes. has amazing taste in in music, and like the rumor was, he would go into HMV and just buy up every single record that was released that week. And go he keeps and his to eye, it like Sarah. He was a big fan of Sarah Blasco for a while. Oh, okay, like, Penal's another one. He loved them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I went years ago. I went to see Elton John, um, and it was one of the ones he was doing a big tour, and then he added these shows. Where he just, it was just him and a piano. Like the band wasn't there. Yep. Um, and at the end of that, and everyone's like, you know, he's telling stories, and it was felt very kind of like, we just decided to do this, so we're going to sell out an arena. Um, he did that, and then at the end, he said, so now I'm going to bring out my uh, friends Pinyao that have just released a, a re release a lot of my music. And it had been this mostly boomers and kind of older sitting quietly, having a great time watching their favorite thing, tell stories. And then Pinyao came out and just started going do 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 and everyone i'm not i reckon oh, about two thirds of the of the arena got up and left while oh. they were closing it was incredible to watch amazing those poor guys though in panel just go all right 
I'm, I'm sure they're even saying, are you sure you want this, Elton? Like, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. People love yeah. it. People love it. <laughs> I'll play you the uh, Pavarotti bit. Here we go. Forward in the song, Pavarotti. <laughs> That's also to know that, like, I wonder how that feels as you two to be like, we are such a current band that Pavarotti wants to work with us. Yeah. That's that's the impact we've made on pop. Well, this got to number 23 in the Hottest 100 that year as well. I would say could be the only time opera, an opera singer has appeared on the Hottest 100. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wild. So here's some facts about Pavarotti. I didn't know that at 12 he almost died. He was in a coma for a fortnight and given uh, his last rites twice. He got tetanus. Wow. Yeah, there you go. And on his deathbed, his ex-wife came to visit. This is a woman that he left for a woman 34 years younger than her. Great. And she like had sued him for heaps of money and hated him. But he was such a kind of charmer that uh, he asked her and convinced her to make him some of her spaghetti bolognese, which was his favorite meal. And so she went, all right, fuck it. I'll go and make spaghetti bolognese for you. I was so sure you were about to say that they rooted or something on his deathbed. Well, he had an insatiable appetite for sex, apparently. And uh, I was trying to find this. I couldn't find it, but I do know... Someone else had told me about Pavarotti, apparently, uh, before concerts would have to have, like, almost like a Michael Flatley. Michael Flatley, the Lord of the Dance, had to have sex after a show. Straight off, he'd walk straight off and have sex. Pavarotti, apparently, would get his uh, dick sucked just before he'd go on. Wow. Yeah. Or like, I'd love to find out that it was like, Pavarotti needed to be pegged yeah. just before he went on. Like a proper, <laughs> proper getting railed, and that's how he could get to those notes. <laughs> uh. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. All right, moving on. Uh, this is, ah, oh, listeners know how much I appreciate this band. It's the Red Hot Chili Peppers Ooh. and their song, My Friends. Bing, 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 bing. 
shirt on. All right, I'm going to turn that off. Okay, I, all right. So I, I've been on record, Reese, of how much I really dislike the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. I just, it's it's not for me. But this this is fine. This kind of, it's, I, I don't mind them when they sound like they're on heroin, which at, at this point, <laughs> I think Anthony Kiedis was. Yeah. I much, I much prefer heroin Kiedis to binga, banga, bunga, binga, banga, bunga, Kiedis. Yeah. Like, who, who's, that's when he's clean. Rock scatting. Yes. Yeah, you want him when he's like, you almost want to give him like a Finergan or something. Like something that's <laughs> going to make him, take him down a little bit so he's not like, because I reckon he'd be, uh, and Flea is the other one, right? Yeah. Like, and do, do you know that like, you know the show The Wild Thornberries? Do you, no. Did you ever watch that? There's the show, it's like a Nickelodeon show called The Wild Thornberries. Tim Curry was a voice in it. And there's like a, a little boy in it that Flea is the voice of. And the little boy is raised in the jungle and he only speaks in like, like that. And so it was just, I remember listening to that as a kid and even going like, Flea, these guys seem like a nightmare to be around. Like, yeah. if this is their vibe. Um, I watched the video clip for this today though. And I think you're right about the heroine uh, because it's just... They're just the video clip is them just recording the song, and that yeah. feels to me like uh, we, we don't have the wherewithal for a concept. But I forgot how, when he was younger, Anthony Kiedis is like hot. Oh, so attractive! Like in a kind of like boyish doesn't sound right, but kind of like he's got quite delicate features when he's younger, and he's kind of like he looks like um, if you ironed uh, Iggy Pop. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like if you kind of like just squeezed the back of Iggy Pop and just like put a bull clip, and so all the skin was t- like he just because he, he's he's like he doesn't look unhealthy when he's younger. Yes, so and that I think that because he is a very beautiful man goes to why he can get away with going binga banga bonga for a verse, <laughs> and no one's saying, "Are you sure?" Because he's just everyone says yes to him. He's beautiful. Yeah, people say eyes, yes to beautiful people. Yeah. But anyway, so. This is from One Hot Minute. So they'd had their huge hits with Blood Sugar Sex Magic and then uh, John Frusciante had left the band and Dave Navarro from Jane's Addiction joined them as the guitar player. Uh, he, he, he was uh, also uh, the guitar player on Alanis Morissette's You Ought to Know. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is only yeah, on with the band. Yep. He uh, got kicked out of the band for, they say, his drug use, but that's a bit rich because Anthony Kiedis was on drugs as well. And also, because he said on record he dislikes funk. <laughs> Which, I, look, Dave, I'm with you, mate. Um, he, lo- he didn't like funk train, would have hated <laughs> funk train. Well, Dave Navarro was also Axl Rose's first choice to replace Izzy Stradlin of Guns N' Roses when he left. Oh. Wanted him, and they organised four rehearsals or four auditions, and he, he didn't turn up to any of them. Mm. Yeah, maybe, maybe drugs. But... By audition three, what are you? You're not going to fourth one. How good no. a guitar player are you? If you're like, all right, strike one, strike two, strike three. All right, you get a you get a fourth strike. Okay, you're allowed. You're allowed four. Do you think there's like a bunch of middle people there that are just like, no, he's gonna got like, <laughs> and there's a chance Anthony Keys just never knew even knew. Like he, sometimes I think of that era. There were so many drugs going around that people might read stories about themselves now and be like, what the fuck? Yeah. Well, Anthony Kiedis had been really clean, and then he had a... It, this is from his book, Scar Tissue. He had a dental procedure, and so they used Valium um, in that, and that's, mm. he said that's what got him spiralling back onto heroin. So, Wow, a Valium. Yeah. Val- Valium. The, the, I would say there's quite a bit in between the spectrum of Valium to heroin, but... 
Well, I don't know if you've seen Flea's teeth at the minute, or should I say tooth at the minute. So maybe he's also staying off the dental Valium because it ain't oh, looking yeah. good in the flea mouth. Yucky. All right, moving on. Here we have, we, we already mentioned them. Every household in Australia had a copy of this album. This is the first single from the three sisters and brother, Andrea, Sharon, Caroline, and Jim Corr. It is The Cause and Runaway. This song kicks off. (laughs) Like, so much going on. It's great. There's nothing like me and you. I'm not alone. Tell me you feel it too. And I would run away. I would run away. Yeah, yeah. I would run away. I would run away with you. Cause I, yeah, I fallen in love, love, love with you. No, never, I'm never gonna stop falling in love with you. Oh, race. What do you think, race? So, like, it take it so. I I kind of forgot I was on a podcast just then. I like so genuinely went like somewhere else just then. Like, it's not. I'm not a fan. I'm not like, hmm, this is great. But it, or it's so. There's so much nostalgia built into that. Also, what they set out to do, they nailed the brief. Yeah, it, yeah. This is like of that kind of Celtic folk kind of pop music. Any kind of drum you can hold. Like oh. any kind of, um, like, and those ones that you kind of hit, whatever. I think they're just called Irish drums. Yeah. Probably that's probably not what they call them. Um, probably just call them drums. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it is so. Is it? Did Sh- Sharon died? Sharon died. No, I, th- I think oh, they're no. all uh, they're all alive. They're all alive. Yeah. Yeah, right. I, I know. What am I thinking of one of the Juds. Oh yeah, Winona Judd. <laughs> Oh, well, no, no, not well, no, no, her mum. I don't, I don't no, know. No, but yeah, the the original Judd, the yeah. Alpha Judd. Yeah. Um, the yeah, it, it so makes me like I don't think anyone was a fan of this in my house, but I think just through television and it was just on all the time, like these types of songs. Oh. And I reckon a lot of movies, like English, mo- like romantic comedies, used yeah. like these kind of Irish li- of like someone's falling in love or the end was always a song like this. Yeah. Uh, so. The band, The Cause, uh, took off in 91. They'd been a family band for a while, playing in Irish pubs. And then they uh, auditioned for the film The Commitments. Have you ever seen The Commitments? Mustang no. Sally? No. Anyway, it's right. about, it's about a, a, a rock band that kind of get big and then fall apart. Uh, so they had small roles in that. So Jim, Sharon and Caroline each had small parts of musicians. And Andrea had a speaking role as Sharon Rabbit. That was her name. Uh, from there, they got a, um agent and all that kind of stuff. And then... Through whatever they got, they performed at the 1994 Olympic Games in Atlanta. What? They were, yes, they performed there. And who was watching that? Celine Dion was watching and went, Who are these for? I love them. And so she had them as her support act for her shows that year. And so 
This is Wait, their first in, in Atlanta, like Georgia. Yeah, in Atlanta, Georgia, for the Olympic Games, the cores were there. Right. And I was looking Did at someone fall through. So it's so weird because it wasn't. It says the Olympic Games in Atlanta. <laughs> it couldn't have been the Olympic because the Olympic Games are in ninety two and ninety six. So ninety two was the sold. Winter Olympic Games. Maybe it was the Winter Olympic Games. Must have been, but I don't. Is there much snow in it? No, because '96 was maybe it was some kind of lead up to it. I'm just I mean, reading. This is a whole. This is a whole. Or maybe, podcast. or maybe the cause their own website has the dates wrong. But I. Yeah. This is '94, and this came out '95, so it must be '94. Anyway, Celine Down saw them, is what I'm saying, and she was like, "That's it." So this is the first single. It got to ten in Australia and Ireland, forty nine in the UK when it was first released, but then. They got so big, they re-released it in 1999, and it got number two. And Gave the song, it the, av- the Avatar treatment, yeah. And the song that ke- kept it off the charts was Britney's "Hit Me Baby One More Time." Well, so the album, bigger in Australia than anywhere else in the world, it went to number one and went nine times platinum. It was the third highest selling album of '96, and the 18th highest selling album of '97. Over two years, it was just selling copies, selling copies. And I bet, I bet they're still touring. Like, I might be wrong, but I bet they're, oh, no. Oh, no, no. no. Oh, well, we'll get into that a bit later. But there's okay. there's 15 songs on the album. Six of them are traditional Irish instrumentals. Yeah, right. I can see why they were, that, that's the hit, and we haven't really heard too many of the other instrumentals. Yeah. It is wild when they just keep, the ones that just keep touring. I mean, I'm not comparing the two, but... I went to go see Aqua once and about about 10 years ago. And you'd think it would have been like on one of those, like, oh, Lou Beager and Steps are hitting yep. the road again to do some wineries or something. Like, do we, like sometimes they do wineries, strangely. Yeah. Um, but no, they were just doing a tour. And I went to see them as a joke, the, as everyone else there was doing. But they were like, I don't want to say they were good, but they were like... They've just kept going. And I'd yeah. imagine the cores are the same. There's always like a place to go. They had a couple hits. They'll play them and people will be happy, but they've released albums no one's ever heard of. I don't know. Yeah. I just kind of like that they've just kept kept it I, moving. I'm a big fan of that for artists, yes. Uh, so they, these the cores also have the honour of being a band who performed at the Peach Pit After Dark, the Beverly Hills 90210 nightclub. Um, I don't know. Wow. You would have been too young to watch Beverly Hills, but what happened was when they were in high school, they all hung out at the Peach Pit, which was a yeah. diner, and then they went off to colleges, still in LA, and they were like, we can't be hanging out at the diner. I oh, know. We'll make the Peach Pit a nightclub so we don't have to change the set. And so other bands would perform there with people like the Flaming Lips, the Cardigans, and Christina Aguilera, plus the Coors. Wow. All right, now let's talk about what they're doing now. So the three, the three women... They're doing fine, Reese. They're, they're doing fine. Oh no. Jim, the brother, Bad the man. one who was always the butt of the jokes when I was growing up, because the the cause women, very beautiful, and yeah. everyone. The joke was, imagine being the brother. Oh, I'm like, well, it's a it's his siblings. I'm sure he's not going. Oh yeah, I want to root anyway. He is a conspiracy theorist now. Okay. And it started in 2011 when he was on The Late Late Show in Ireland, which is their Tonight Show. Yeah. And he went on a bit of a rant about how he believes we're being controlled by the New World Order and that uh, 9-11 was an inside job. <sighs> and 
the host, to his credit, is not like he's just letting him talk and going, "All right, well, how did you come to this conclusion?" He goes, "Oh, well, someone sent me a photo, and um, you can't see any any like the plane crashes into the Pentagon, and you can't see any wings in in the ground. Like it's just a a, a perfectly spherical hole shape, and uh, yeah, and it's just like, oh, it's not good. Yeah, it doesn't like." It's not like in the cartoons when someone runs through a wall and it's an exact <laughs> shape of them. <laughs> like but, it was an explosion, I'd imagine. But it, it's so funny because conspiracy theories used to be fun. It used to be like Bigfoot. It used to be mm. like Loch Ness Monster. And now the, it's now it's like the vaccine's going to control us all and give us all heart yeah, attacks. It used to be there's stuff out there and now it's they're doing stuff to us. Yep. Like it used to be like, oh, it'd be cool. Even like the X-Files was kind of like... Yeah, did a rewatch of that once during the pandemic, and it was just you know some cell phones would have got them out of a few jams, but like other than that, it was kind of pretty watchable still. Um, but it was all very like, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. They were kind of more fun. Like there yeah. was maybe something in the water. Yeah, let's let's now it's like nah, they're controlling us with these vaccines and the five G. Yeah. We used to think oh. aliens were putting stuff in our butts. Yeah, that were the good old days. Yeah. All right, Papa moving Roy, on. Loved it. <laughs> moving on. Hey, we haven't had much American R&B this side. Let's, let's rectify that with brothers Melvin and Kevin Edmonds and their mate, Keith Mitchell. This is After Seven and Till You Do Me Right. <laughs> Listen, until you do me right. <laughs> yeah. We got to halfway through the chorus. Um, a beautiful, um, I'd imagine it's what is it a, like a, the couple are beefing, right? There's yes. a bit of like, but it has the tone of if it was in a movie of this time, it's like, um, a, you know, in an almost like bodyguard style, uh, the couple that you weren't expecting to fall in love, are maybe falling in love and giggling in a montage. What you could do, Reese, for this, you could have this as the soundtrack and you could write different lyrics. So the first, because if you just heard this song without actually paying attention to the lyrics, you go, oh, it's just a love song. Yeah. Not knowing that it's a, oh, you've done me wrong song. Yeah. And so you could have the first one, which is all like, oh, I love you and all this kind of stuff. And then you could later on when they do, so they had their meet cute and then they break up. You have this one. And then at the end, they get back together. There's a new 
there's a new version as well. Wow. Well, I think we've just made a million dollars. That's huh? it. Um, so this, uh, this was uh, written and produced by uh, Melvin and Kevin's brother, which is Kenneth Babyface Edmonds. And we've talked about Babyface on the show before. He's worked with Boys to Men, Brandy, a bunch of others. Mm-hmm. And so he'd, he'd had their hits with them. And so I, I would say Melvin and Kevin have gone, hey, brother, come on. Help us out. We've got some. We can sing. Like let let's do it. And so I'd say he yeah he went all right. Let's let's try and get you guys in the charts. It was a moderate hit. It got to sixteen here, eleven in New Zealand, thirty one in the US. I'm surprised it got higher here than it did in in the US. Yeah, but I feel like we're we're such a mic. I mean, I I know I know everyone kind of knows this on some level, but like everything does better here before. Than it does any like I think because we're like a microcosm. Someone's telling me once McDonald's uses all the big major fast food places use us to test all their stuff. Ah, like because we're like a where the population's low, but we're like stuck to certain areas. And yeah. I don't know. I'm by the the reason I'm saying this is like I feel like bands usually or songs do higher here than they do anywhere else because we're like yeah we'll take it. That's interesting because the Strokes released their first album here. First, before anywhere else in the world as well. Yeah, ABBA was big here first. Lady Gaga was big here first. Like, all the kind of big touring acts. Elton John was big here first. Yeah. Um, because also you can come here and go to five places and leave yeah. and you've been to the whole place. Um, Pink was big here first and only big yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? No, she's Lady Marmalade? What are you talking she, about? She's doing all right. Okay. All right. I don't have anything more to say about After Seven. No, I think done. I think that's the only time we'll talk about them too on the show. So thank you, Bye. After Seven. Bye, After Seven. All right, now we have a band which we're going to talk about a lot in coming weeks. This is their cover of <laughs> the Cat Stevens slash Yusuf Islam song, Father and Son. I'm going to play you this, and you think about your dads, everyone listening to this. You think about them hard. No, I don't think about them hard. <laughs> Weird. It's not time to make a change Just relax, take it easy You're still young, that's your fault There's so much you have to know Find a girl, settle down Or whatever If you want, you can marry Look at me, I am old, but I'm happy I was once like you are now And I know that it's not easy to become When you found something going on Take your time, think a lot Think of everything you've got For you will still be here tomorrow But your dreams may not And there we have it it's <laughs> it's so strange. I have similar feelings. I think Boyzone did a cover of The Rose by Ben okay. Midler. And it's just strange to... I mean, also, I watched the video clip for this today. Pretty homoerotic anyway, but that's just something of the year, I think. Yep. But to be singing a song, to be... However many, there's four or five, five of them, I'd imagine. There's probably five. Um, there's Ronan like, Keaton and there's others. I don't know who others, the other ones yeah. are. Yeah, and and the and the guys. Yeah, um, they're all like kind of laying on top of each other, but like singing 
to, I guess, a little boy. Like, it's very... But they're all thing like, I'm old, but I'm happy. It's like, you know, you're like 28 at yeah. the most. Like, and it's so odd. It's proof to me that this era of music, no one was listening to music. Like, pop music, no one was listening to the lyrics. No. no absolutely. Yeah. It was just, like, oh, that's a nice tune. Or yeah. it, it's a hit already. We'll make another hit. That's a nice yeah. song to sing. Yeah. Exactly. And it's like something for... You know, it's almost like uh, how Sesame Street has jokes for adults in it yeah when people are having to bring their daughters um and future gay sons to see this band there's a little something like oh cat stevens some little something to listen to that's nice yep. so uh the, cat stevens wrote this song as part of a it was going to be a musical project uh called revolusha or revol revolution uh it's like revolution it was set in russian revolution that's where it was set. <laughs> so it, he's made a portmanteau of those words Oh. Revolusha or Revolusha. Anyway, it, di- it didn't get made because people probably couldn't uh, say it. No, the reason it didn't get made is because um, Cat Stevens contacted, uh, contracted uh, tuber- uh, TB, tubercul- tuberculosis. Oh, my God. And he wow. was really close to death. Consumption. Yeah, and he had a collapsed lung and he was, like, not good for about two years. And so it all got scrapped. But this song remained. And so um, it was on T for Tillman. Um, this song... So Boyzone did their cover, and I think it went to number two in the UK or something like that. Um, yeah, it was got platinum sales and uh, was the 13th highest selling single in 95 in the UK. In Ireland, it became their fourth number one single. Australia, it was two. France, 11. Germany, 15. And uh, Music Week, the magazine, gave it five out of five and said, single of the week. And it says, the song that got the audience's choking back tears during the recent tour is their Christmas single. It's an emotional rendition of the Cat Stevens songs. It, it will be massive. That was their take. But it, That was their Christmas single? It was a Christmas single. Because, you know, at Christmas you think about your pe- family. So you want to be emotional. How I want them to leave. But what I know from this song is, as someone who, especially in around 99, 2000 era, was a big Flaming Lips fan. So Flaming Lips pretty much stole the melody of this song for their song Fight Test from their album Yoshimi Battles of the Pink Robots. I'll play you this. Yeah. And uh, when they first released it, did not credit Cat Stevens in the liner notes or anything like that. Wow. So he was like, Anyway, anyway melodies are a hard one. I feel like, like I mean, that is so clear. Yeah, but like I remember, didn't um someone was suing when when someone that I used to know came out. Oh um, yeah, Gautier was getting sued because he the dun 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 dun. It's like yeah, that's Mary had a little lamb. Yeah. Like, but it's it's just universe like that's also like bar bar black shit like it, how do you sue for that? Well, uh, well, Cat Stevens, Yusuf Islam, he he won this one, and uh, Wayne Coyne from the Flame Ips, uh, this is what he said in the Guardian. He said, "I want to go on record for the first time and say that I really apologize for the whole thing. I love Cat Stevens. I truly respect him as a great singer songwriter, and now he wants his money. There was a time during the recording when we said this has a similarity to Father and Son, and then we purposely changed those bits, but." 
I regret not contacting his record company and asking their opinion. Maybe we could have gone 50-50. As it is, Cat Stevens now gets 75% of royalties from the song Fight Test. And he said, we could have easily changed the melody, but we didn't. And I'm sorry to Cat Stevens if he thinks that we purposely plagiarised his work. I'm ashamed. There's obviously a fine line between being inspired and stealing. But if anyone wanted to borrow any of the Flamex songs, uh, I don't think I'd bother pursuing it. I've got better things to do. Anyway, Cat Stevens is never going to make much money out of us. <laughs> so it's one of those apologies like, I'm really sorry, but also fuck you. Like, also go fuck yourself. If anyone wants to steal our stuff, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sue. I couldn't be bothered. I've got better things to do. Wild. I think it's a. I always think stealing something like, and we have it in comedy with jokes. Yes. Where I always think it it seems impossible to me if you're all in close quarters. Like, say it's on the same scene. Yeah. It's impossible to be accused of stealing a joke because what's the game plan here? Yeah. Like yeah. what that you that you get famous and eventually go like yeah I didn't steal it and they believe it like no you're always going to get found out so yeah. I I think it's impossible that yeah anyways I had really interesting I've had in the past had very similar bits and there's mm. been a couple of occasions where it's the same joke but because it's like a joke joke but I'm like yes. well I, I know I didn't steal it I wrote it like myself so I'm not just because that person's a bigger comedian so one of them was Dimitri Martin mm. we have a have a very we have the same joke it's yeah. SS stutter. Like, that's the joke. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so, um, but like, I'm like, well, I'm not changing. I wrote it. I know I did it. And there is a weird thing when people are like, going, that's the stole your joke. I'm like, no, nah, it's a similar concept. We've both gone different ways. Like, it's it's fine. The, the very first joke I ever, ever, ever wrote when I worked at, at a Golo when I was 16 in my hometown was that there was a colouring in book for the movie Happy Feet. And at the store, and the penguins are black and white, and they live in the snow. There's there's nothing to colour in in the whole book. And then I got to Sydney, and there was a comedian that had been working for like thirty years, Peter Mizell, that had a joke about colouring in book for the 101 Dalmatians, and it was a joke that he'd been doing for like fifteen years, and it was like his known joke. Yeah, and it was so like undeniably his but also my like and it's just this weird etiquette thing where then yeah. i hadn't learned as an open mic yet to just be like i think i'll just uh, yeah. retire it but I, I i loved that joke i was so proud of it <laughs> anyway that wasn't a good story and i want you to know that i know <laughs> <laughs> all right we're up to our last song race our last Great. song we've talked about it before this is katie lang from her album all you can eat and this is her <laughs> song <laughs> sexuality Come. I mean, all of that's on purpose, right? It's very funny. Yeah. Yeah. She knows what she's doing.
go. Sexuality, Katie Lang. Very horny song. Real horny. Like in in tone and content. Um, the it's it's my reading of it. Having not done any research about it, is it? Do you think it's a song to a woman being like, "Come on, I yeah. think you're a lesbian," yes. or at least curious. Yes, I think Katie Lang had a lot of fans like that as well. For a lot of women in America, especially, Katie Lang would have been their first time knowing of like a lesbian. And uh, there's the very famous, I think, Vanity Fair or Vogue uh, photo of her in a barber shop. Uh, yeah, yeah, looking amazing. And that for a lot of women, like, I think Madonna even went on record saying, "Yeah, I would, I want to have sex with Katie Lang." Well, I think because it was, she was probably the first known. Um, th- there was a butchness to her that people kind of desexualized that type of lesbian, like at that era. Like they, you know, they were kind of just like women you saw wearing trucker caps and stuff, and they're yep. they're probably a confirmed bachelor. Um, or you had like Madonna being like, "I'm a hot lady who has sex with women," and then you come along with this like kind of short haired woman who's like, I don't know, it was just it must have been bonkers and like pretty and yeah i'm i'd say she had to 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 still have a career now and stuff has really i wonder if there's not a privilege isn't the right word but you know ellen went through like crazy shit and clearly it made her go crazy yeah um allegedly uh but katie lang seems kind of chill about it all but probably got the brunt of it yes well she would have had massive backlash but also i think because she kind of mainly focused on the song she didn't play up to it either it was just like well i mean this song is about sexuality so this is yes and the album all you can eat is clearly her tongue-in-cheek uh pardon Mm. the pun uh (laughs) but it is the thing like it was like i'm sure there'd be like pr people going let's let's push this and this is what you do but she kind of kind of retreated from that and went oh no Mm. i'm just gonna sing and have my voice really much show my talent and speak for me. Uh, I think I think she's great. I also think, yeah. Reese, uh, you, me and her would get on really well because she likes basketball as well a lot. So oh, she's, she's yeah. the perfect Venn diagram between us. Like, Yeah. We could all, and like, yeah, I'd be into that. I don't yeah. know enough about basketball, but I don't mind looking no, at it. No, but you, you wouldn't, like, when you guys are talking about, you know, queer issues, I'll, I'll step back. <laughs> And then I'll bring up the no, Portland. Get involved. Get involved. <laughs> then I'll bring up the Portland Trailblazers. Then you can step back. It'd be great. That would be nice. Imagine that. Imagine that spreading around like <laughs> Melbourne comedy. Like, did you know that Josh Earl and Reese Nicholson have been hanging out with Katie Lang? <laughs> and they go to then, the same barber. And then all, da- we can't dress. We all dress the same. I was going to say Dave O'Neill would be going. Now nah, it's me, guys. It's just me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I do, I do, I, it was one of the few songs that it, you know, it sounds a little bit dated, sure, yeah. but it's still, it doesn't, it doesn't take you back to a time, the way no. that all the other, I feel like all the other tracks on this list have, have gone, like, I know exactly when that, I could, or not exact, but I can think I know when that came out. This song, I would have trouble guessing if you played it to me cold when it came yeah. out. Well, it was used also uh, in an episode of Friends. They didn't use much... Uh, music in in friends apart from some some big scenes like there was like yeah but this was used in one of the episodes of friends i read i I can't tell you which one 
no, the one where the it. fucking monkey did something. I don't know. It was around yeah. that, that era. <laughs> the one where they were all lesbians or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's. There's some fan fiction there to write. All right, let's yeah. go through them. Well, that's the end. So let's go through. So yeah. let's see how many hits are actually on. 100 hits. So we start with I Can Dream by Skunk and Nancy. Is that a hit, Reese? Nope. I had not heard of it. And right. uh, No, yeah. I'm just, can I, can I, I'll just give a flat no. No. Uh, Renegade Funk Train by Renegade Funk Train. Look. They, they should, if the album was called Renegade Funk Train and then they've got all three of them, then I would be into it, but no. Do you know what? I know it's not a hit. If I got you to sing a single bar of it now, nah. you wouldn't be able all, to. So many of these are gone. So many of these are gone. All right. Give Me One Reason by Tracy Chapman. Yeah, I reckon that's a hit. Yeah, I yeah. agree with you. That's I'm a not hit. angry at it. Miss Sarajevo by Passengers. Yes. Yeah, I think it is. Like, purely just on the people involved. Yeah. And look, it, yeah. I, I agree with Bono. Probably the best U2 song. Uh, My Friends by Red Hot Chili Peppers. Not for me, and not a not hit for me, but a hit for the public, maybe. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a hit. That was a yeah. known song. Yeah, I, I'd say it's a hit. I, not for me either, but I'd say it's a hit. Runaway by The Cause. Yes, absolutely. I would yep. describe that as a 100% hit. Uh, Till You Do Me Right by After Seven. Look, I'm really more of a before eight type of guy. <laughs> um, yeah, no, no, not a hit. Father and Son by Boyzone. Made me very uncomfortable. I'm going to say not a hit. Not a hit. Like and sexuality by KD Lang. Yeah, I reckon that's a hit. Okay, we got five out of nine. That's all right. That's pretty good. It's not bad. Yeah, yep. It's not 100 percent like they say in the box, but still, it's all good. No. Yeah, it's almost as good as my HSC went. <laughs> Thank you for doing this, Reese. Hey, if you have any shows to plug, are you doing comedy festival? Are you doing? I'm doing like last year's show. So yep. I'm doing, um, I'm doing, yeah, you can go to reesnicholson.com.au um, and look at the dates there. I think I'm doing Melbourne Comedy Festival. I'm doing one night in the main town hall on the 15th. And it's, yeah, it's the uh, show that won some awards last year and I like it. I've done it over a hundred times now and I still kind of like it. That's good. Like that's I do, I do like it. Like that's weird. Yep. Usually I, usually I hate them by number 10. Yep. Um, but no, I don't know. Yeah, I'm doing another go around and I'm just doing other things this year. The thrill of not having to have a new show ready at the moment is, oh. man, I'm so horny for it. It's good. It's good. Hey, I'm doing my show, Humankind, everyone. I'm doing my family show. So if you've got kids aged between like four and nine, they'll really dig it. Ten as well. Um, yeah, come along. So it's at the Q Courthouse on the weekends during the comedy festival. Also, I have uh, four live podcasts of Don't You Know Who I Am at Morris House, which is the what European Beer Cafe is going to be called when they reopen it. Ah. So it's 3 o'clock on Saturdays. Plus, I'm doing two uh, special uh, shows at Festival Club at Max Watts. On April 4, I'm doing a live 100% hits. It is the best of the best of 97. And we have a Fun. bunch of really good performers doing the songs there. And then April 17, uh, Don't You Know Who I Am, uh, live one there with all international guests from the festival. They're going to be on, and so it'll oh, be fun. So with the 100% hits ones, people are performing the songs live. People are performing the songs. We have people like Geraldine Quinn, Michelle Brazier, Gabby Bolt, Jude Pearl. Uh, who else have I forgot? There's uh, there's Not more. one yeah. man. How dare you? Um, no. That's um, how great. That's Yeah, it's like, going to be lots of fun. That's really great. Yeah, it's like it's like karaoke, Reese, and then you hear some facts. It's gonna be good. Yeah, I love that. All right, thank you, everyone. You are all the best. Thank you, Reese. Thanks for doing thanks this. For, thanks for having me on. I'll see you all next time. Friends. Bye. Bye.